0: Come on, put your hands together. We're at the movies again this week. And if you are a guest with us, I want you to know you came during a really great time of the year because we take one month out of the year and we do at the movies where really movies are not the topic. They're the beginning of the conversation, kind of like a modern day parable. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, told stories and embedded in the stories were life changing truth. So what we're going to do is today we're going to talk about Spider-Man and we're going to tease out some really life-changing truths that are found in the Word of God. But before we begin today's message, I want to play a little game with you. We're calling it uh, cap or no cap. That's what we're calling it, all right? Now, for those of you that are not familiar with this term, cap means that it's a lie. No cap means, no, I'm really telling the truth. So kind of lying versus telling the truth, all right? Cap, no cap. So I'm going to tell a story and you get to vote on whether uh, I'm lying or telling the truth, all right? In his former life, Pastor Mark Taylor, who's our pastoral care pastor at Spring Creek, was a ranch hand on a large ranch in Montana where he rode his favorite horse, Shadow, all right? Now, is this cap or no cap? Lying? How many of you think I'm lying? Lying? All right, how many of you think no cap or I'm telling the truth, all right? All right, actually, I'm lying, but look at this, ladies and gentlemen. I will tell you, he wants to be a ranch hand, and around here, we know him as the rhinestone cowboy. All right, Um, next story. Pastor Chris Mers, our location pastor down in Cape Coral, used to perform motorcycle stunts at county fairs. Used to perform motorcycle stunts at county fairs. How many of you think cap. I'm lying. All right. I'm lying. How many of you think I'm telling the truth? All right. Actually lying again, but look at, he hung out at county fairs a lot. Let's just be honest. All right. All right. When pastor Lisa Seton was younger, she was a part of a church Bible club where she wore a cape to church. She wore a cape to church. All right. How many of you think that I'm lying? All right. Raise your hand. How many of you think I'm telling the truth? I'm telling the truth, ladies and gentlemen, look at this. Look at this, come on. (laughs) I mean, Lisa, not weird at all. Not weird at all. Okay, that's it. That's great. All right. Uh, Next one, Kristen Vandenhoven. Uh, When she was younger, uh, her family lived with 26 cats. 26 cats. How many of you think cap? I'm lying. Anybody? How many of you think no cap? I'm telling the truth. All right. Actually, telling the truth. They lived on her porch. Lived on her porch. We had to Photoshop that because she didn't have a picture of all of them. But uh, anyway. Got lots of questions, anyway, okay. Last one, last one, when they were teenagers in the 1990s in Rockford, Illinois, pastors Adam Seaton and Abby Murs were hair models for Paul Mitchell Extra Body Sculpting Moose. <laughs> hair models, all right. Um, how, many of you, how many of you think I'm lying on that one? How many of you think I'm telling the truth? All right, I'm lying, but listen, they could have been. Get, look at this, look at this. They could have been hair models. Look at that. That is some 90s moose going on there, right? Everybody take out your smartphone. Take a picture of that, okay? I mean, just keep that. That's, put that in your favorites, all right. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, today we're gonna talk about, we're gonna talk about truth and lies. We're gonna talk about truth and lies. And, and uh, like I talked about, we're, we're gonna talk about Spider-Man, the movie, uh, Far From Home. And Spider-Man, the character, was actually introduced in 1962 in Marvel comic books. And he goes by the real name Peter Parker, a teenager, 16 years old, uh, got his power from a toxic spider bite. And after he got bitten by a spider, then he turns into Spider-Man, you could say has all these really amazing powers and abilities and things like that. Well, in this movie, uh, Spider Man's mentor named Tony Stark, aka Iron Man, passes away. So Tony Stark passes away. Tony Stark was an entrepreneur and, like, you know, he made weaponry and tech and all this kind of stuff. Well, when he died, he left all of it in the hands of Spider-Man. So it was kinda like Spider-Man inherited everything from Stark technologies. And uh, and so most impressive piece of technology that Spider-Man gets are these glasses. And when you wear these glasses, he could talk to um, an operating system named Edith, and that operating system gives him access to all of Stark's technology and weapons and all that. Let me just boil it down for those of you who haven't seen the movie. Iron Man left a lot of power and a lot of responsibility to Spider-Man. But he's 16 years old, and he begins to question himself and his capabilities. He begins to wonder if he even wants these responsibilities, or even if if he's capable of having these responsibilities. And so he begins to doubt. He begins to doubt everything. And on top of that, though, he has these desires. Spider-Man has these desires like, I want an easy life. I want to be a normal teenager. I want to go like on vacation with my classmates on a class trip. I don't want to have to have all these responsibilities. Do I have to carry this heavy burden of leadership? And there's this tug of war happening inside of Peter Parker between his doubts and desires and his conviction and his commitment to what he has been given. I started thinking about it like, that's a lot of us as Christ followers, right? I mean, if we're gonna be really honest, let's just talk turkey here for a moment, okay? Um, if we're gonna be really honest, we, we are tempted to sometimes live the way we wanna live. We, we are tempted and we have desires, and, and yet at the same time we have doubts on whether or not we're really good enough or you know, if God really is pleased with us or we maybe are even here today and you don't feel very spiritual or religious or whatever, and you're kinda doubting whether you should even be here today. So there is this tension always in our lives between doubts and desires versus the convictions of knowing what is right and wrong and what we should do and also having the commitment that we've made to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of our lives. So over here, there's the bad angel that sits on our shoulder and over here, there's the good angel that sits on our shoulder and we're in the middle, right? Getting torn between what we feel and want and what we know we've promised and what we know is right. Do You know when you uh, said yes to Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, making him the leader and the forgiver of your life. do You know that you said yes to a forgiven life. And you've said yes to God's unconditional love for you. But also when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to saying I'm leaving the old life behind me. And I'm now going to take hold of the new life that God has for me which means I'm no longer hanging on to that old stuff. I am, in a sense, moving towards the new life. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this, he goes, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Jesus said a lot of things like that, which are a little confusing and upside down in our current culture. In other words, he's saying this. You want to find life? Lose it. If you try to hang on to your life, you know what? You're you're never going to find it. And and he's saying things that are kind of upside down to our current thinking. But here's some words that I want to point out. As a follower of Jesus, it means that we need to consistently deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. What does that mean, what does that mean? Well, what Jesus is saying is he's saying a life of self-denial and surrender to him and choosing what is right over what is easy is the way to find abundant life. Imagine this, imagine if uh, City First were to buy billboards around town and we would put on the billboard, find real life. And then underneath it we would say, by denying yourself. How many people would be like driving by going, oh, that's awesome. No, in our culture, people be like, huh? Find real life by denying ourself? Because the world, our culture, says the exact opposite. Indulge yourself. Worship yourself. Prioritize yourself, and then you will find the life that you really want. In fact, you know, culture even goes as far to say, hey, listen, live with no boundaries. Live with no boundaries. Live how you feel. Go ahead and just do whatever you feel. Do whatever you want. Make all kinds of money. It will ease your anxiety. Hook up on the weekend, and it will fill that void. You know, follow your heart. You know, we tell our kids to follow their hearts. That's probably the worst advice we could ever give kids because the Bible says that the heart is wicked, all of us. You know what we need to do? You need to follow truth, not follow your heart, right? But culture tells us follow your heart, chase that high, buy more stuff, you'll be happy. You know there's three stages of stuff in our life, three stages, first stage is you want stuff, second stage is you actually get stuff, and then third stage is uh, later in life you get rid of stuff. That's really, that's a, you know, so stuff is kind of like just cycles through our life, but it doesn't really make us happy. See, the culture is saying all these things will make us happy, but here's my question. Does the world make good on its promises? You know, years ago, maybe go back a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, Remember what you thought then when you would buy that thing or you got that promotion or you started dating that person or you 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 know found that high or whatever it is that you were kind of like tempted to do because you thought it would make you happy now fast forward to today let me ask you a question did it make you happy was it a high that lasted for a moment? Was it something you acquired that kind of, after a while, lost its buzz? Um, did you get a goosebump in life, but then it went away? Did it make you happy permanently, or was it a temporary happiness? See, in life, we do these things, we accomplish these things, and then we get on the backside of it, and we're like, "Wow, that didn't that didn't stick. It didn't stick." Well, if the world is not making good on its promises, then maybe someone is lying to us. Cap or no cap. See, in this movie, we discover that Spider-Man has these personal doubts and also these desires to have an easy life, and the villain in the movie, his name is Quentin Beck, um, he he basically has this ability to create illusions that everybody think it, thinks is real. Like I mean, like he can create scenes and moments, and it looks real, but it's all an illusion. And so Beck uses his dis, deception and his illusions to trick Spider Man into giving up these glasses that are the key to all the weapons, all the technology that Stark had left him. And you know why? It's because. Spider-Man fell into a web of lies. Let's watch this.
1: While on a school trip to Europe, while Peter is trying to put his responsibilities aside, a new threat emerges. And with that, a new superhero, Mysterio. Spider-Man reluctantly joins forces after being prompted by Nick Fury to save the city from destruction. With seeming success, Fury says to Spider-Man, you've got to decide whether you're going to step up or not. Stark chose you, but maybe he was wrong. Mysterio and Spider-Man then meet to celebrate their victory. Spider-Man reveals to Mysterio that Iron Man has entrusted his legacy to him, though he feels unworthy. Spider-Man then has the brilliant idea to pass off the glasses and power to Mysterio, whom he deems is better suited to be the next Iron Man. Mysterio humbly accepts and releases Peter to be a typical teenager and enjoy the rest of his trip. Peter exits the restaurant and Mysterio reveals the entire place was a facade, using drones to alter reality. His true mission was to trick Spider-Man and steal Tony Stark's tech. He succeeds, and Spider-Man runs off without a second thought.
0: And here's the thing that Jesus says in John chapter eight, verse 44, speaking of the great illusionist, the, the one who lies, he says this of the devil. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you know that the enemy of our soul is the great illusionist? He is the one that can create lies that seem so real. And the enemy will do everything he can to keep us from finding the life that Jesus wants for us even after we've given our life to Jesus, making him the leader and the forgiver of our lives. He doesn't want you to find purpose or live in purpose. He doesn't want you to find freedom from whatever it is that's holding you back. He wants to keep you enslaved to that vice or that problem or whatever it is. He doesn't want you to find hope. He doesn't want you to find your purpose or calling in life, and he sure doesn't want you to help others do so either. Like Beck, he asked the question, a question that is sneaky, and if you notice in that, in that scene, Beck asks this question to Peter. He says, what do you want, Peter? What do you want? And the enemy asks us the same thing. What do you want, Jeremy? What do you want? You want, you want money? You want control? You want success? you want notoriety, you don't want an easy life. What do, you, what do you want? What do you want? He asks all of us this thing. In fact, it even goes way back to Genesis, the beginning of time, where the Bible says that the serpent is having a conversation with Eve, and the serpent is the enemy here. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, did God really say that you must not eat of the fruit Of any of the trees in the garden in other words what is the enemy asking Eve what do you want Eve now what does God say and what did what God wants what do you want and honestly the enemy is asking our culture that what do you want what do you want he's asking us what do you want from the very beginning the enemy has made us question God's word did God really say that he forgave you? How about that one sin? You know, that one that no one knows about. Did God really forgive you that too? Or he would say, did God really say that you're not supposed to, you fill in the blank? Or did God really say that you should forgive your ex because they're a jerk? Or did God really say that he loves you? Does he really love you because, look what's going on in your life right now. Man, it sure doesn't seem like he loves you very much. Or. Is God really good? You know, that pastor gets up there and talks about a good God that we serve, but is he really good? Or does God really care about you and can he use you, especially after all that you've done? See, these are lies that the enemy is asking us over and over and over again And I will say that this message, I believe, is for each and every one of us, whether we've been in church for five minutes or 50 years, because the enemy never stops telling lies. And he tries us to get off course. We live in a world that is continually and constantly bombarding us with lies. And Beck lies and plays on the fears of Peter Parker, plays on his weaknesses his hopes his dreams his failures and the enemy does the exact same thing with us he reminds you of all the times you screwed up and then he tells you god doesn't love you you think god loves you in fact here's here's his um here's the enemy's mathematics you do a thousand good things plus one failure equals one failure That's what he does, he reminds us of all the times we've failed. The devil wants to tempt us and discourage us. Now realize it's kinda quiet in here and probably wherever you're at right now watching this and here's the reason why, we like talking about God, we don't really like to talk about the devil but this is what I would say, if there's a God, that means there's a devil, if there's good, there's evil and if there's a heaven, there's hell and if there is a God who's for us, there is an enemy who's against us, right? Tempting us and distracting us. In fact, I would just say that the enemy is out there tempting us and trying to discourage us. Tempting us with things that are not God's best for our life and discouraging us by reminding us of our weaknesses. My prayers today is kind of an aha moment for us. I'm not trying to make this super spooky or anything like that. I'm just saying there is a very real enemy that's trying to trip you and I up. And maybe, 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 the uh, struggle that you're in right now maybe the mind game that you're battling in your head maybe the temptation that you keep on having maybe it isn't just a coincidence maybe there's something bigger going on here maybe the enemy is creating an illusion for us to fall into a trap and you sit in here and say really well that's what the first century church believed in fact um the person that talked about hell uh, the most in the New Testament was actually Jesus. So there is a very real enemy, and here the Apostle Paul says in, in the first century church in Second Corinthians, he goes, no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Listen, his lies are convincing. His illusions are beautiful, like like, it is like in, you know, the movie, that old movie, the cartoon, The Bug's Life, where the bug is like, ooh, the light, it's like, the light, the light, you know? I mean, it's like we fall into the trap over and over again. I know I do and probably you do too. So some of you, as I'm talking right now, you're probably feeling some internal tension like, well, if there's an enemy that's really trying to destroy my life, then, then how do I know, how do I know, how can I tell the difference between what is true and what is a lie? That is a great question. In fact, I'm gonna give you an answer, it's probably not gonna make you stand up and shout hallelujah because you, you've already heard the answer before, but, but this is the answer, all right? The answer is by reading the Bible, by reading the Bible, because here's the thing, many of us, yeah, you can give that a round of applause. Many of us, we don't need a new revelation. We need dedication to what we already know. <laughs> like, like we need to be able to just take what we already know and do it, right? Now, I don't all the way understand the Bible, even as a pastor. I mean, like I've studied it for decades and there are parts of it that I don't even understand, but I do know this, that when I read it, That I get more truth inside of me and I'm able to discern between what is good and evil and what is fake and what is real, at least most of the time, not all the time. It's like counterfeit money. You know, federal agents, when they are trained to identify, identify counterfeit money, they're not given counterfeit bills to study. Rather, they are given real bills, like $100 bills or whatever currency it is, and they feel it, and they, they, they touch it, and they look at it, and they study the real so much that when a fake comes along, it immediately stands out to them. And it's the same way with the Word of God. You get the real inside of you. You get the truth inside of you. Then when you hear that little voice, you're like, wait a minute, that's a counterfeit voice because I know the real, that's a lie. That's how you do it. Are you gonna be perfect with it? No, but the more you get the Word of God inside of you, the more you're able to discern between what is real and true versus what is a lie and an illusion. Unfortunately, it feels like though, in our world, the older I get and the more I live life, the more I'm convinced that our culture really doesn't want the truth. It really doesn't. I mean, you you can go to somebody with something that's bona fide truth, but if they believe something else, they'll say, nope, I don't want to believe that. I'm going to believe my truth. Well, the problem is, is this. When you create your own truth, it looks a lot like the way you're already already living. (laughs) Isn't that convenient? Like, no one invents my truth, and it's contradictory to the way they're living, and so when we really dig into the word of God, I'm going to warn you, when you dig into the word of God, you're going to find truth, and it's going to make you uncomfortable sometimes. It's going to make you realize that, that you need to change. It's going to make you realize that maybe you're living a lie, and guess what? You need to start living God's way. All that's going to happen, and you're going to sometimes like have this tension inside of you, but that's the way to find what Jesus calls the abundant life is to leave the old way of thinking the old way of living and embrace a new way of living his way of living and his truth in fact uh, you know what uh, the apostle paul also in another letter in the new testament called second timothy he predicted the fact that people were going to invent their own truth and this is what it says in second timothy for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching you think that's there yet? We, we here yet? Okay. Um, they will follow their own desires, and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Wow! Is this verse like a now verse or what? But here is what I—that's right, no cap. But here is where I am concerned as my own life, as I look at my own life, and also as, as I try to pastor this church, and I love you guys, I'm concerned with our culture because someday, like Spider-Man right there, we may all of a sudden wake up that everything that we thought was real and true was actually an illusion and lies. You see, people have done that before. You've done that, probably, I've done that. In fact, when I gave my life to Jesus, I all of a sudden realized everything that I've been doing for years, chasing the highs, chasing relationship, trying to just make money, buying things, all that stuff, just to make myself happy, I all of a sudden woke up and I was like, it was all an illusion because I can't buy enough stuff to make myself happy. I can't accomplish enough stuff to give myself worth. I can't do any of that. My worth comes from a creator who created me. My happiness comes from a relationship with Jesus. (laughs) Nothing in this world can satisfy. And Spider-Man finally wakes up to this reality that he's living an illusion, that he gave up power to the enemy because he got tricked. So now he wants it back. Let's go ahead and watch.
1: After his last run in with Mysterio, Peter decides it's time to believe in himself again and who he was created to be. He devises a plan to defeat Mysterio. As Mysterio begins to attack, Peter will not be fooled again by his illusions. He begins to reveal the drones and works to disarm them, taking them down one by one. Frustrated Mysterio tries one last time to deceive Spider-Man with the illusion temp. But Spider-Man, with a new motivation and renewed sense of responsibility, has heightened Spidey senses and is able to be one step ahead of Mysterio, eventually defeating his drones and illusions. Spider-Man remarks, you can't trick me anymore. Peter takes back the glasses, ultimately defeating Mysterio once and for all. As Mysterio dies, his last words to Peter are, people, they need to believe. And nowadays, they'll believe anything.
0: Wow, what a powerful line. It's almost, it would almost be a prophetic line for 2023. People, they do believe. And nowadays, they'll believe anything. Do you know that you and I are actually designed to believe? God created us to believe. He created us. To believe, but not to just believe in anything. And and today I hope that maybe maybe you get a little bit of a fire in you because at some point Spider-Man looks at Beck and goes, Your lies are over, Beck. And some of us need to get a little bit of a fight in us and sit there and go, you know your lies are over, devil. I'm sick of living that lie. I'm not going to chase that anymore. I'm not going to pursue that anymore. I'm not going to buy that anymore. I'm not going to do these things to try to make my my identity or make me happy or make me fulfilled. I'm done living the illusion. Jesus says in in John 8, he says, the truth will set you, and you all heard this verse before, right? Free. The truth will set you free. The Greek word there for truth, and that's the original language the, Old, or the New Testament was written in, it's aletheia. And basically it means this, unhiddenness, come out of hiding. So when you come out of hiding, you'll be free. To live the truth means to live in such a way that you are no longer hiding. You sit there, am I hiding? Yeah, we all hide from God. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They hid from God the Bible says, that's sin. Or we're hiding from ourselves, shame. We don't want to look in the mirror and think too much because of all the stuff that that we've done, shame. Or we're hiding from each other, blame. Blaming that person, blaming God, blaming whatever. Sin, shame, and blame. Sin, shame, and blame. And Jesus says, I'm calling you to come out from hiding behind all of those things. And I'm calling you to live free. The truth will set you free. You know, truth is a person. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I'll point you in the direction of the way, the truth, and life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you wanna find truth, find Jesus. And he helps you come out of hiding. And he helps you to not live the lie. And he helps you little by little to be uncovered and to be able to be fully known in his presence, no longer full of insecure and doubt and striving and stress and pride and fear. Instead, he says the truth, meaning him, will set you free from lies and from hiding anymore. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, Lord, you are truth, Jesus. You are the embodiment of truth. Not only do you give truth, you are truth. So, Lord, today we ask that you would help us to live truth, not live the illusion that the enemy, this culture, this world tells us, constantly bombards us with, but rather instead, God, we want to come out of hiding from that and we want to be fully known by you. Lord, help us to fall in love with the Word of God. As a church, I pray, help us to, to read the Bible, and even though we maybe don't understand 100% of it, Lord, I pray that as it gets inside of us, that your truth would show us the counterfeit lies all around us. Lord, we want to live truth. If you say, you know what, I, I really um, I want to live truth. I want to live truth. I don't want to live a lie anymore. And some of you are listening and you're like, man, I've been chasing after everything that's trying to make me happy and and I haven't been happy. Well, today I have a beautiful invitation. It's not to be a member of this church or anything like that. It's just an invitation to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. And if you do that, guess what? You'll go on a journey of discovering truth, but also your sins will be forgiven and heaven will be your home someday. So if you say, that's me, I wanna give my life to Jesus. You know, again, no one's looking. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. Your hands are up, I guarantee you at all our locations, even in the living rooms right now. Can we all say this prayer after me? Let's all say the prayer together, whether we raised our hand or we didn't. Let's give ourselves to Jesus, giving ourselves the truth. Repeat this prayer. Jesus, today I make you the leader and the forgiver of my life. Forgive me of all my sin, I'm coming out of hiding. I want to live for you. Come into my heart. I accept your unconditional love for me. Thank you for dying for me. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead.